We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. We're reviewing week nine, looking forward to week 10, and helping you to manage your fantasy teams on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by MyBookie and FFBCast. I'm joined tonight by Matthew Friedman, Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. And Matt, I am still uh, a little upset that I did not come up with this FFBCast idea, which uh, we're going to quickly tell people about here. But I I do think that this is such a cool idea. Um, As I mentioned last week, I really wish that I was the person that came up uh, with this, uh, and I'm so impressed that I wanted to talk about this right off the bat. Um, so FFBCast, it's a new fantasy site that's out there. They believe that every fantasy league is especially unique and deserves its own media coverage, and the, so this is where the cool part comes in. They provide a service in creating custom podcast episodes specifically for your fantasy league. So Matt, I don't know why. We did not think about this, but basically now, if you are in a fantasy league out there, you have all of your friends from high school, college, or whatever, uh, a really cool way to keep in touch is you get this set up through ffbcast.com, and they will do custom, unique podcasts specifically 
for your league. Uh, you can do season long or individual episodes. Uh, and you can also support their mission by going to kickstart.com and searching for fantasy football podcasts. So go to ffbcast.com and check it out. Uh, cause they've also partnered with some of the best industry experts who've made themselves available to do guest appearances on your podcast to talk about your league. So this is basically like you now, like this is taking your league to the absolute next level. Uh, they're doing a special promotion right now on Twitter to get followers to get a free trial episode. So check them out at FFBcast on Twitter. And one of the, you know, for me, I don't know about you, Matt, but like my favorite part of the week is when I wake up on Tuesday morning and I go and I check the standings on my leagues and I see, you know, where things are at after the weekend. Right. But now this is like, Instead of like just checking that, you get somebody to present this to you in this package where, you know, you feel like your league is it. So I think, you know, this would be like the coolest thing, you know, in, in some of my uh, fantasy baseball leagues with guys from high school, we used to have people that would go through and they'd kind of like blog about it and present stuff. But like, this is like the primo package. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have, I have something to add in here. So yep. one, uh, I don't need to look at the standings because I already know that I've lost. Uh, and then, uh, but, but. This weekend, I was actually talking with one of the guys in the longtime Dynasty League that I've been doing, uh, you know, with with friends from high school. Yeah, he was like, you know, um, like engagement is really down this year, and and like he's right, and I think part of it is just you know, like guys are older, they have kids, they have more responsibilities. And he was like, we need to, you know, like do something to get people a little more interested in the league like the way they used to be. And actually how I kind of got started in fantasy was I would do the thing where I basically like not I wouldn't actually blog, but I would write like these really long uh, breakdowns about the different matchups that teams (laughs) had each week. And I would email that to the league. And like that started basically like my uh, my interest in looking at sort of like next level type of statistics. Yep. It basically all started with this. But like I was thinking like so that started that was like seven, eight years ago. If that were happening now, I would maybe do like the podcast version of it instead of like breaking it down and then writing it. It would maybe be a podcast. But like I'm thinking like, yeah, we we need to do something to get engagement uh, in our league. And this might be it. Like, I'm I'm actually interested in maybe having the FFB cast guys do an episode for our league. Uh, just, I mean, one, just to kind of try it out to see how it goes. But also, like, I think the guys in, in my league might actually enjoy it. Like, I think they would probably enjoy having someone uh, who's not me break down <laughs> the, the different matchups. So, uh, yeah, this is a really cool idea. Yeah, especially because, like, what made me think of it uh, or, or, like, why... I'm so upset that I didn't come up with this is we're kind of at that same point in some of my leagues. And especially, uh, when you start to have people that don't want to pay attention, you know, they're out of it, but for a competitive league, you need people to keep playing. So like, this is really the way to do it. So, you know, you don't have them just getting embarrassed, uh, on the weekly coverage. But, um, again, I wish I had thought about this, but I did not. But, uh, the guys at ffbcast.com will have you covered, uh, your fantasy leagues media coverage company. So please, Go check them out. Uh, on that note, we can talk about some people who, uh, if you had them on your team, you would be getting presented pretty well on your custom podcast. Uh, so without further ado, Matt, the Little Lebowski Urban Overachievers of the Week. They're the Little Lebowski Urban Achievers. Feels good to finally talk about this player in a positive light. Tevin Coleman. 
storms through the Washington defense. Uh, 13 attempts, 88 yards, 7 targets, 5 wrecks, 68 yards, and 2 touchdowns, 32.6 PPR points. We finally got that big game from Tevin Coleman. Yeah, I mean, I it's weird because like I don't know what to say um, because in retrospect, maybe I should have seen this coming, but uh, I think it was also pretty easy not to see this coming because it wasn't all that great of a matchup. And uh, Coleman's usage is like it's not high volume. You know what I mean? Like it was a little yep. more high volume this last week, um, but he's still losing significant touches to Ito Smith. Um, so it, it's hard. Like he's now on the good end of a committee. Like instead of him being the 40% guy, he's now the 60% guy. Uh, it's just kind of hard to know exactly what we're going to see moving forward. But, you know, the past three games, he has four touchdowns and uh, double digit carries in each game. You know, this this might be something that is consistent going forward. Right. And, and I think the other encouraging sign, too, was to see Ito Smith punch one into the end zone, because even if it is Ito and not Coleman, it's just good to see this backfield starting to get closer to what we anticipated it would look like in terms of production and opportunity heading into the season uh, with goal line looks, different opportunities for the running backs. Adam Humphreys has been pretty good the last couple of weeks comes in to this game uh this weekend against the panthers gets eight targets eight wrecks 82 yards two touchdowns and if that wasn't enough he also had one carry for seven yards nearly 29 fantasy points obviously it's a crowded receiving core uh, for these Buccaneers receivers. Can this carry through for Humphreys or is this really, uh, I'm not even really sure, you know, how you define this for Humphreys. I just <laughs> think that, you know, this was really impressive to see. Yeah. It's, it's a weird situation because, um, before Fitzgerald, not Fitzgerald, Fitzpatrick, uh, coming into week eight, um, in relief of Jameis Winston, Humphreys had had, uh, quarterback based splits that were very skewed towards Winston like he was clearly better with Winston than with Fitzpatrick um but now recently it's it's kind of hard to know like what we should expect but like it's weird like what I think is clear is that he's the uh least talented of the four wide receivers who are getting a lot of playing time in Tampa Bay like clearly he's not as talented as Mike Evans Chris Godwin or Deshaun Jackson but uh over the last three games, he has nine, 10, and eight targets. Like he's in, and uh, he's getting more snaps per game than Godwin and Jackson because those two guys are pretty much splitting snaps with each other. So it's the situation where uh, he's not that talented, I don't think, but uh, he's in an offense that scores a lot of points. He's on the field a high percentage of the snaps. He has a very defined role within that offense. And at least recently, he's been getting targeted a lot. So um, that might be something that continues, you know. And uh, Washington just got destroyed. He has matchups against the New York Giants coming up against the 49ers after that. Like, he could be in a very good spot moving forward. I am with you there. Uh, Just because... We know that this team is putting up points. We've now seen a couple of good games from Humphreys. And even if he's not the most talented guy, 
a performance like this, another one of these is in his range of outcomes, as crazy as that might sound. So at this point in the season, if you need guys to just pop in to fill a spot on your roster for a week, you could do a lot worse than Humphrey. So I think he's kind of a useful guy to have in your back pocket. Uh, I can't imagine after this week, he's going to be available. So if you're interested in him, the time to do it would be now. Another name that it feels very good to finally mention in a positive light, Duke Johnson. One rushing attempt yesterday for eight yards, but he saw nine targets, nine wrecks, 78 yards through the air, two touchdowns, nearly 30 fantasy points. With the changes in coaching, are we finally going to get to see Duke Johnson utilize the way that he should be being a game changer and a difference maker for the Browns? Yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> so we have the, the sample of one game, but uh, it is encouraging Obviously, he had season-high usage, and on top of that, uh, he is now, um, I think, in the beneficial position of having his former positions coach being the guy who is calling plays. Uh, So I think, you know, like Freddie Kitchen being the running backs coach, now the uh, interim offensive coordinator, I think that's a good thing for Duke Johnson, um, who probably, I don't know, it's hard to say that he's more talented than Nick Chubb. Um, you know, because I think Chubb has a lot of really good qualities and, and could be like a good lead back, um, in the future. But, you know, Duke Johnson in his own right was very productive in college, uh, was athletic, was a third round pick. Um, I mean, there's a lot to like about Duke Johnson. And if you look at not this year, but, uh, his first three seasons in the league, uh, collectively, he was the number one, uh, receiving back in the league by yardage. So like he does have a lot of potential. So if they are going to get back to using him in that way, then uh, yeah, there's a lot that could go well for him. I think that you can make a case that Johnson at what he's good at might be more talented than Chubb at what Chubb is good at. Uh, that's probably, I think that's probably right. Right. In that concentrated skill set, he is really, really talented at it. Whereas Chubb, I think it would be hard to point to that one thing. I think overall, Chubb is probably a better back just with the ways that you can use him. Uh, but the good thing, like you said, with the positional coaches, they recognize and they acutely are aware of what Johnson can do and when to properly deploy him to do it. So you're probably not going to see 30 points every week or maybe even the nine targets. Some of that will depend on how the games go. But I do think we're going to see him, him trend positively. Listen, let me ask you a question. Could you uh, expand the space underneath the desk? You know, give it a little more uh, headroom. Jared Cook, what the hell, man? It's a Thursday night game. <laughs> Amari Cooper's gone. I never play thir- players on Thursday night, but I trusted that you should at least just get peppered with targets. Instead, Oakland comes out, is awful, let Nick Mellons just run up and down the field on them. Cook sees two targets, two receptions, 20 yards. I get four fantasy points off of it. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Uh, I don't think there really is anything to say except you got Oakland, you know. Um, it's Or maybe that should be you got Oaklanded. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's just a horrible situation. That offense... Uh, I mean, it's not as bad as the Buffalo Bills offense, but it's pretty close. Like, it's it's really bad. Yeah. I mean, there's just – I can't even really it's, put it's into totally words. It's totally untouchable. Like, it's totally untouchable. Uh, like, Cook, because he was so bad last week and because that offense in general is so bad, he might have some value uh, in – in DFS, yep. just because his ownership could be so low, 
But at the same time, this is a guy who, in three of his past four games, has had uh, no more than 20 yards receiving. So you basically can't touch him. Yeah. And, and I mean, how much of an indictment on this offense is it when this is the player that the offense was running through and now they they can't even utilize him and there's really not much going on anywhere else. I mean, it's just a complete fiasco in Oakland, but apparently they are assembling a championship winning type of team. Well, eventually, in the long run. In the long run, yes. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, are you aware that he's yet to score a touchdown? I painfully am. Uh, I have him on my dynasty team, so I'm aware. So yesterday, 10 carries, just 10 yards, did manage to somewhat uh, save a little bit of production by adding uh, four receptions and four targets for 19 yards. (laughs) When this is, you know, like a an okay performance for McCoy, you know, there is a problem. It's bad. Uh, I, I like, I think he's probably lucky to have gotten 10 yards on his 10 carries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, it's really bad. Um, and I haven't actually looked at, um, the splits. Uh, I mean, I, I think no matter who is at quarterback, it's all the way around really bad, but I think he's been at his worst with Peterman under center. Um, so yeah, I mean, but it's just, there's nothing you can do. You can't start him. Um, you can't trade him. You can't drop him. There's, he's just, he's dead weight and he's going to like lie for the rest of eternity, wherever it was that he died on your lineup. Oh gosh. Uh, poetically stated, but very true. I have to say, so we will just move on off of shady Mark Ingram, nine carries 33 yards. One reception on two targets, had a fumble, so Ingram finishes with just 2.6 fantasy points. Naturally, the question becomes, Ingram owners, are they still playing him or are they sitting him going forward? Uh, This one also makes me angry because he's also on my dynasty team. Um, Yeah, I don't think you can play him. It's like he is clearly at this point now like, okay, so he came back in week five He was on the superior side of the committee split, just as he had been for most of last year. And so it looked like things were back to normal. And then there's the bye in week six. And then, you know, like week seven happens, week eight happens. And Kamara at this point has flipped the formula and he is now getting more touches. But you ne- it's hard to tell because it's like, well, like, is this a two-game thing? And in week nine, you know, he's at home. Um, you know, they were favored. At least they opened his favorites to begin the week. Um, you know, a high-scoring game. This could be a spot where Ingram gets a touchdown or two. So, you know, everyone who owned him played him and they just got hosed. So, like, I no, I don't think you can start him moving forward, but it's just this horrible situation where you can't trade him, you can't drop him. You just have to hope that at some point he's able to, like, recoup his value. But um, he was injured last game, too. I don't know how serious of an injury it was, um, but, like, there's now that. As if, like, there needed to be another thing that uh, gave him even less value. So, yeah, it's a horrible situation for him, and I don't think it's going to get better because Kamara is clearly the better player. Correct. At this point, you don't play Ingram, and I think that the main reason for that is 
from the perspective of the Saints, at this point, they don't really need to play Ingram. Things will go yeah. just fine if they're relying on Kamar. And I think that's about all you need to know because though the potential is there, there's no situation in which you can say they need to put in Ingram. No. I mean, they they need to put him in to the extent that they don't want to use Kamara too much. Right. Like that they maybe want to keep him fresh for a playoff run. So I think you can lock Ingram comfortably into about like 10 touches per game, but I don't think he's going to get much more than that. Like maybe on the high end, it will be like 15-ish, but they're probably going to be low efficiency touches. So you're basically hoping that he scores a touchdown. Right. And be prepared because what's going to happen here is the correct decision is going to be to sit him. In weeks 15 or 16, he's just going to absolutely ball out. And you are going to be so irate when you did not play him, uh, whoever you are out there that owns Ingram and this happens to. But I think that the optimal play, unless things change between now and the end of the season, will be to keep him on the bench. Yeah. In, in like situations like Ingram, that's why I don't even like playing in um, like set lineup leagues anymore. That's why like I always just want to play in best ball leagues because I don't want to have to go through the frustration of thinking about like, is this the week when I should start Ingram? And then he sucks and then I bench him and he goes off. You know what I mean? I just don't want to deal with that. I hear you. Now, I have to ask Matt, are you in any leagues where there is still a waiver wire, but you just don't set up lineups? Uh, or these yeah. all yeah okay yeah, yeah. see I yeah. like that I think I need I need to get into some t- some of these like that because the time to actually like focus on my teams is just evaporated down to it's kind of like stringing things together at twelve forty five on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So all of the leagues that I'm in that aren't like like traditional like quote unquote best ball leagues, you know, like like yep. draft leagues or MFLs or something like that. Uh, but they're still like best ball leagues. Yeah, like you still have access to waivers. You just don't set your lineup. I like that. I'm going to have to yeah. look into that and, and try to get some some of the people I play with to kind of switch over to that type of system. Some uh, people are really opposed to it yeah. because they, they think of it like, oh, part of the fun of fantasy is having to stress about who to start this week. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, maybe, but like that's not part of the fun of it for me. Like yeah. for me, fun uh, means having more time to do other things. Well, I think the, the biggest benefit of this for me would be I will not have to listen to my brother just complain about how he picked the wrong player. Right. Uh, every week I won't have to get the, the text um, and here's then talk actually, him off the cliff. And here's one thing that um, people might not think about but is actually a really undervalued part of this. Um, so obviously you have more time because you don't have to like stress about who to start. Yep. But also like all of your players are in play each week. That's really cool, so, yeah. So that means like your sweat is a little bit longer. Like you care... A about more players uh and like you know you almost always have a player still on your roster who's playing on monday night so you always have a reason kind of still to be checking that game to be you know thinking about uh the potential ways you have to win so i i think like the upside to it is uh it's multifaceted yeah that's really i like that point a lot and i think also like uh for me you know it's it's not that i'm don't want to be, like dedicate the time to the team. It's just taking away the level of stress of like, oh, I need to remember to get my lineups in now or right. like before the games lock. Um, yeah, so that's that's really cool. I'm gonna make an aggressive push to uh, get that to be adopted by more people. 
This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. And it's Crazy Joe DeVola. This is from that kick from that Crazy Joe DeVola. Yeah. <laughs> crazy Joe DeVola? What guy? Uh, with Crazy Joe DeVola. Crazy Joe DeVola. Crazy Joe DeVola. So, I'm still recovering from... Um, the late night that I had last night uh, at Gillette Stadium. So this is not going to be the best crazy stat of the week that we've ever had. Uh, but actually, I'm going to open with one that they had because um, I, I think it's it's interesting even if you're not a Patriots fan. They displayed on the board last night that in the last um, – or I forget the time period, but the Patriots at home in some split of time – are like 129, 129 wins to 24 losses. It's an 84% win rate at home over, I think it was like the last 16 years, which is just insane. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I would assume that split would maybe go th- like through the Brady era, but yep. maybe maybe not quite all of the Brady era. But yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so that that's kind of the bonus one of the week. Now, you've likely heard this, but I think it's worth bringing up. Over the last three weeks, Saquon Barkley has averaged nine receptions that is more than Julio Jones, who with 8.7 is leading wide receivers. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I, I hadn't heard that, but um, one thing to kind of add into this to yep. talk about Saquon, um, through the first, he's played eight games, right? Yeah. Through his first eight games, uh, first eight games of his career, he has more targets than any other running back in NFL history. Wow. That is... Yeah, I mean, how good do you think Barkley is? He, I, it is looking like he really is as good as we thought. I mean, look, look at it this way. Okay, so he has seventy-one targets. Who knows if that will actually, um, you know, extrapolate to right. the end of the season? Right. But like that is an unreal number of targets right now, and he has four hundred and ninety-seven yards receiving. Like he legitimately has a shot to be the first. Uh, no, no, would he be the first? Like thousand, thousand guy in nfl history i don't actually i don't think i don't think he would be i don't think he would be no, but he, i he will say be, since but to, to do that as a rookie that would be amazing yeah it, it really would and the other thing too is just how he's he's doing it effortlessly you know what i mean it was like there was absolutely no adjustment he just came in and they were able to use him so quickly okay actually i'm looking at this yep um, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. So there are two other guys in NFL history. Yeah. Marshall Falk, Roger Craig. Those are the only two guys in NFL history to have a thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving in a season. Yeah. So clearly you're, you're doing pretty well if you're getting into conversation with those two names. Yeah. And, and like Craig, it's funny. Like he's not a hall of famer and I don't really even 
think that he should be. But like at one point, he was probably the best back in the league. Yeah. Like, you know, he was like the guy, like the runner on those like famous 49ers Super Bowl teams. So like he's yeah, like to for Saquon to do something like that as a rookie is just that would be like unimaginable. Like it's just he is he is so good. Um, not quite as good as a runner as people want him to be. Right. But like that is something that progresses in year two. Like Le'Veon wasn't all that good of a runner as a rookie. Um, it's taken Melvin Gordon a while to develop as a runner, but, uh, guys who are good receiving backs can be good pretty quickly in the NFL. And like, we are really seeing that out of Barkley. The timing of it too also works out so well for him because this is what teams are going to be looking for in backs. And now he's really going to set the trend. Everybody's going to be looking for that back that can catch. Of course, you know, you're not going to have many Barkleys out there, uh, but it definitely fits into the, this mold too, I think of, of going early for the running back. So we're going to have to see how more NFL franchises react when they see his success. Granted, that hasn't really translated into success overall for the Giants. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Trending up two tight ends that I want to mention. Uh, Chris Herndon, who I think Matt had mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and Jeff, you know, I got to apologize here. That's a good one. I think it's Hireman. Mm. I think it's Hireman, but I've also heard Hewerman. Yeah. And I have to say, too, that you may have noticed on the show that I'm not good with saying the players' names. One of the key reasons for this is that I often have to watch the games without audio um, for a variety of reasons. So as such, I do not hear them get pronounced that often. Regardless, Herndon, in the last three weeks, is averaging uh, 4.3 targets, 3 receptions, 40 yards, 0.7 touchdowns. That comes out to 11 points. For a player that's likely available on the waiver wire in a dumpster fire right now of a position at tight end, that's not bad. Yeah, definitely. Um I mean, yeah, I mentioned him, I think maybe last week. I think as, you did. Or it uh, might have been two weeks ago. Actually, I think it, I think you might have told my brother to pick him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was two weeks ago. But yeah, like he's had basically four weeks as like the pass catching guy uh, at the tight end position in that offense. He has 50 yards or a touchdown uh, in all four games. Like he's an ascending guy, like super talented. Um, like I think he's going to be someone like especially next year who really starts to break out at the tight end position. Absolutely. And then Hewerman, uh, 5.3 targets over the last three weeks, 3.7 receptions, 29 yards, 0.7 touchdowns, comes out to 10.6 uh, for the Broncos. I actually wrote about him last week saying he was a dark horse for that breakout second half tight end candidate if such a thing exists because the Broncos do have a very favorable schedule. We've seen his usage and expected points in the Broncos passing game increasing. Demarius Thomas is gone. You know, how much uh, his production gets replaced by Cortland Sutton remains to be seen, but the team has been using him. So I think at this point in the season, if you want to take a shot on a tight end, if you're really hurting at the position, he's the guy to do it with. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I hadn't really um, thought about him as someone who could, uh, you know, start to replace the the target share that was lost in the trade of Demarius Thomas. But like, it looked like that's the case. And uh, he's actually gotten a decent number of red zone targets, even uh, when he wasn't 
heavily targeted. So now that his target share has increased, uh, he really might be someone who kind of takes off in the second half. Absolutely. We had talked about Larry Fitzgerald a couple of weeks back, Matt, saying that the Larry Fitzgerald that everybody knew was gone. I understand that he did not play this weekend, but I wanted to bring him up on the podcast because as I was writing articles last week, I realized that there are some encouraging signs for Fitzgerald and it's possible that he could be available for people. So I kind of want to get your opinion here. Uh, but we've now seen in his last three games, eight targets, eight targets, 12 targets. He's had two touchdowns. Uh, in back-to-back games, went over 102 yard or 100 yards for the first time in Week Eight. Is it possible that now Rosen's getting more comfortable in that offense? He and Fitzgerald are developing a relationship. Uh, he's now gone 14 points in Week Seven, 26 in Week Eight. Can this carry? Not that we're going to see the Fitzgerald of a couple seasons ago, but is he the type of guy that could find his way into lineups? Yeah, um, I think it's pretty encouraging. Uh, the production we've recently seen in the bye week, I think came at a perfect time for him because uh, he looked decent. I mean, actually, I say more than decent. He looked pretty good in week one. Uh, And then he had the hamstring injury in week two, and he's just been slugging it out. Uh, He hasn't missed a game, but he clearly hasn't been like the version of Fitzgerald that we saw a year ago or two years ago. Um, But I think, you know, recently in weeks six, seven, and eight, we did see him start to get better. So I don't think that soft tissue injury is actually uh, like an issue anymore. I think he's probably healed. And I I think the the week nine bye probably gave him just that extra time of rest that he needed really to put the injury in the rear view. So uh, yeah, I think there actually is some added opportunity here uh, in the second half of the season. If someone maybe, you know, has kind of become disillusioned with Fitzgerald, just having him on the bench the whole time, maybe you can get him on the cheap. But yeah, I actually, uh, I kind of like his prospects moving forward because really the only difference between him this year, well, actually, no, that's not true. No, it's not the only difference, but the, the main difference between him this year and previous seasons uh, was the injury. I think that more than the new quarterback or the absence of his you know, previous head coach, I think the hamstring injury was just the biggest thing that was holding him back. They also have some soft opponents on the schedule uh, coming up as well. So hopefully that is uh, accurate with it having been the injury that kind of plagued him and we can see him kind of recover through the rest of the season. I, I would love to see that. Opposite end of the spectrum, three players on the decline. Evan Ingram, I don't think he's even been mentioned once on the pod so far, and that's because we just have not seen the types of performances from him this season that we saw last. Over the last three weeks, 4.7 targets, 2.7 wrecks, just 20 yards, 0.3 touchdowns, averaging seven fantasy points per game. How much of what we saw last season was just because Odell Beckham was out uh, and how much of the dip this season could be related to Peyton Manning. So kind of a two-pronged question for you there. Uh, probably not related to Peyton Manning, probably Eli Manning. Oh yeah. But, uh, <laughs> nailed it. No, <laughs> nailed but it's, it. it's, and, and yeah, and this is like another guy coming off of the buy and maybe over the buy, uh, you know, the giants were able to kind of like reevaluate what it is that they're doing. And he did have nine targets in week eight when we last saw them, but um, it's almost like, why would you throw to Evan Ingram when you could throw to Odo Beckham on the outside uh, and then Saquon Barkley in the middle of the field? Um, you know, and then also like Sterling Shepard uh, in in the slot. Uh, I think he's kind of 
like overtaken what they were looking for out of Evan Ingram. So yeah, I think um, he's kind of like the fourth guy on that offense. And as you mentioned, it's an offense led by Eli Manning. It's not, it's not like not a great situation <laughs> for him. Like you're like, why would you think about starting the the fourth uh, receiving target on an offense that is absolutely horrible on a team that is one and six and like clearly looking to rebuild at this point? Yeah. Uh, bad bad situation if you're a Giants fan as Anthony Amico talked about uh, a couple of weekends ago on Rotoviz Live which uh, as a reminder if you want to support us on Patreon and get that uh, access to the Sunday show to answer all your questions down the stretch check us out at uh, patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz radio now a player that I'm going to mention who compared to other players may not be trending down but in the beginning of the season it looked like we could see him really explode and that's Juju Smith-Schuster last three weeks 8.3 targets nothing to scoff at six wrecks 74 yards no touchdowns though coming out to 14 fantasy points per game but we've seen things flip now it was looking like juju may have replaced antonio brown some people were saying as the wide receiver one in pittsburgh uh, but that clearly was not the case sorry i was muted um, oh that's okay I, I was i was pausing for dramatic effect no so um yeah i don't know like i don't think he's trending down um, but I mean, like you're right. He clearly hasn't gotten the target share, uh, in the last like three or four weeks that he got in the first four weeks of the season. Like that was just ridiculous. Um, but, uh, I mean, he's still like a guy who is very good. Like within the last three weeks, he's had, uh, over 200 yards receiving. He hasn't scored a touchdown, but if he had scored a touchdown and touchdowns are like so variable, but yep. if he had scored a touchdown in one of those weeks, we probably wouldn't be talking about him in this situation. So like, I don't know. I think he's still like the type of player where if you have him, you're starting him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll add in here too, that we're at the point in the season now where I'm trying not to recycle names. So some of these are going to be, uh, all relative for the player. But Matthew Stafford, uh, over the last three weeks, just 1.3 touchdowns, 242 yards, threw an awful pick yesterday, just 13.7 points. And I bring this up because Stafford is a great example of a player that might have some name recognition. And we're really at the point in, in this season now where you have to throw that out of the window. And I think that if you're a type of person that's streaming, you might see Stafford out there just because it's Matthew Stafford. It does not mean that there are not better options. There's some other examples out there right now, but I think that Stafford kind of highlights that sentiment. And this was one of those things that we talked about heading into the season. You know, this is this is an interesting thing because I think this is kind of it's something of a, a Rorschach. Mm -hmm. Like um, this was the first game without Golden Tate, right? Yep. So it's it's kind of hard to know. Like, is this is this a situation where the offense kind of has to find itself a little bit and adjust, or is this going to be a thing that really hampers his ability moving forward? And then on top of that, um, he was playing within division uh, against a defense that knows him well, uh, a Mike Zimmer defense that is very good, a defense that is good at home, uh, just to add some context to yep. this, uh, within like a daily fantasy perspective, 
no team actually just even take out daily fantasy perspective, but but no team at home has been more punishing to visiting quarterbacks over the last four years than the Vikings have under Mike Zimmer. Um, and then on top of that, Stafford in particular has struggled against the Vikings over the last four years. So it's kind of hard to know if this is a um, a Golden Tate thing or a uh, playing the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota type of thing, or if this was just like a one week thing, because like the week before that, going against Seattle, Stafford had uh, 310 yards and two touchdowns passing. Like that, that's a pretty decent week. Yep. So it's hard to know exactly what it is. Um, that impacted Stafford this last week, but um, it wouldn't be a surprise if the Golden Tate departure has an outsized impact in that offense because he was pacing like he was the guy in that offense. He was pacing for I think about like a hundred receptions and twelve hundred yards receiving. Like you don't lose a player like that, especially someone who has been there for five years, uh, someone on whom Stafford depended. Uh, like Stafford got better over the course of his career when Golden Tate arrived in Detroit. You don't remove a guy like that from the offense without it having some impact, even if it's just a short-term impact, some impact on your franchise guy. And I'm actually a little bit, uh, if I'm a Golden Tate owner, I'm pretty disappointed, I think, with this move to Philadelphia because I think that for him, uh, it's, it's definitely deprecated some of his value. Oh, I agree. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. We've been talking about this all season, but get off of the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay, pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn 100 into 600. There's so much to bet on. Uh, you have hockey. UFC and basketball, uh, which actually is my favorite sports to bet on as I think that I have a pretty good system for the playoffs, but uh, that is pretty far off. Nonetheless, we recommend these guys because we trust them. They've been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews, fantastic mobile site. Uh, so make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They reper- uh, they personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention that they've given away nearly $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season, and you'll be the first to know as new odds and props are posted. Log on to MyBookie right now and use the promo code RotoViz uh, to get the industry's biggest sign on bonus. Again, that's RotoViz. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Top three units with favorable upcoming schedules. And we're going to do this slightly different today because as I've talked about in the past, one thing that I like to do on teams that I feel like are very solid contenders and when I have the roster space is look ahead and add DSTs 
for the championship rounds well in advance. So I have those DSTs for every, for everybody out there, Matt. So a team, or if you're looking for teams that you can use for multiple, multiple weeks, Washington and Indianapolis should be streamable in every game for the rest of the season. Uh, so if you're low on fab, I think that they're two very good defenses to go after. Washington holds, or Washington closes out the season with the Giants, the Jaguars, and Tennessee. So that is definitely not bad. Indianapolis will close out the season with Houston, Dallas, and the Giants. Uh, so if you're looking, and they also have softer schedules in the games before that. So if you're low on fab, those are your defenses. Detroit opposes the two easiest opponents in weeks 14 and 15, matching up with the Bills uh, in week 15. They probably look like the best option if your team or if your league starts the playoffs in week 15. New England faces Buffalo in week 16. So for the championship round, you're going to want to get the Patriots Onto your team. Uh, if Chicago somehow becomes available, they oppose San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, or excuse me, they oppose San Francisco in the championship round, and Los Angeles plays Arizona. So those would probably be your other ads. And uh, desirable week 15 defenses would also include Atlanta, Baltimore, Denver, and Tennessee. So if you're contending, hit rewind, go back, write down those defenses, be tracking them, and when they come, when they become available, kick off the dead weight on your roster and add those defenses. Friedman, that brings us to your number one waiver priority. I just dropped the knowledge there, so the pressure is on for you. Uh, the, the pressure is on, except I'm not the type of person who feels pressure. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's not because like I it's not because like I perform at a peak level. It's just because I, I don't care about anything enough to, to feel pressure. Okay. But um, so two things. Uh, and the first is going to make it sound as if I'm lazy, uh, and I'm, I am lazy, but yep. that's not the reason for what I'm about to say. Um, I like, I don't think this is a week to spend a high waiver priority or to spend much, if any, uh, fab on the waiver wire. Like I'm looking and like the waiver wire is pretty naked, right? So, um, I don't think this is actually like a great week to use a lot uh, of money or to use a high, high priority on anyone who's available on waivers. But uh, if you are looking for some production, um, I don't really think there's much available at quarterback, really not at running back. At wide receiver, one thing that I think is potentially interesting um, is Corderell Patterson. Mm. And it's not even that I think he's going to be used as a wide receiver. Like, I think this is, there's like maybe the possibility uh, that they switch him like kind of full time to running back or that like at least some sites start to designate him yeah. as a running back. He should, you know, that uh, he should be a running back. I've kind of always held that he has a lot of the skills, but he does not have the receiving skills that he should. So I see no reason not to use him as a running back. Yeah. And like, shout out to uh, Ian Harditz for being the one who's kind of banging the drum of like Corderell Patterson is a running back. Yeah. And like he's, yeah, I mean, that's what his, I think skill set is probably best suited to. So, um, if they actually do start to use him uh, like exclusively as a running back or they designate him as a running back, it would be interesting um, if he's designated that way by uh, like fantasy platforms. Because at that point, like I think he starts to gain much more value. Um, but like really, it's it's pretty naked out there. But he's potentially like out of the running back type of players, he 
I think is the one who actually has the most value who's on waivers. Um, but uh, like tight end, um, I'm basically going to say like the guys we talked about. Uh, Chris Herndon, I think is interesting. Yep. Uh, Hireman is there. Uh, I think those are the two, if I'm looking at tight ends that I would go with who are available. But other than that, like it is, it is really naked out there. Like this is not the week uh, like to, to spend money. I'll accept that answer because I think that you did a good job of, of framing your laziness into a context that made sense. Thank you. So fantasy games of the upcoming week, probably the best Thursday night game of the year from a fantasy perspective, Pittsburgh versus Carolina. Uh, and then Ram Seattle or Chicago Detroit, I guess would be the next uh, best games, but uh, you know, not the strongest slate of games this upcoming weekend. Yeah, um, Saints at Bengals, I think, is pretty interesting as well. Um, right. AJ you know, just, Green might be out, though, which was one of the... F- no, yeah, that's true. That's true. So from a fantasy perspective, but I'm with you, that probably is an interesting game. Yeah. I mean, fantasy perspective, I still think there's a lot of value there. Like, points are going to be scored, whether that's, like, the Saints scoring more points. But, uh, you know, like, the Saints defense, they can allow a lot of points, too. So even though the Bengals... Haven't been that great. Um, I believe they are coming off of a buy. Um, so I think there could be kind of like more opportunity for goodness, uh, you know, given that they've had extensive time to game plan. Okay. Uh, I'll accept that. Um, moving along, the tough call. I'm going to be honest. Uh, did not get anything that seemed compelling enough to talk about. So instead, I'm going to flip things here and ask you, if you're Le'Veon Bell, do you think that you have any incentive to return, or has James Conner basically just cost you a lot of money? Uh, I think it's both. He has cost you a lot of money, but I think you do have incentive to return um, because at this point, like if you don't return, um, you are still... I think he has to return by week 11, right? Like I If he doesn't the, come back... The drop dead date's the 14th at 2 p.m., I think, or something like that. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if he doesn't come back by then, uh, he is basically under control by, uh, under the control of the Steelers for another season. So he has to come back by then. Like he could basically just say like, okay, yeah, you know, like I was always going to come back at the last minute. I was going to rest my body. Uh, I'm not going to really give all that much effort this year and I'm saving myself for next year. And like, if he does that, then like, he could still like theoretically say like he accomplished what he wanted, but yeah, James Connor has absolutely screwed him. Like he has shown like, not that Le'Veon Bell is useless, but like he's shown the extent to which like running back production is something that is very replaceable within the league. Um, and that's not to say that like Connor isn't good because like, I think Connor is actually a really good player. He is, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Le'Veon, he's he's lost millions of dollars, not just based on uh, not playing this year and losing game contracts this year, but uh, like he's not going to make nearly the money on his future contract that he would have if James Conner had come in and then just absolutely fallen flat on his face. Yeah, and with the Conner point, uh, yeah, I mean, he is a good back, but the other thing that it shows too is that one of Le'Veon's arguments has been that you know he is kind of like a receiver out there but we're seeing another guy get in there just showing that this receiving skill that Le'Veon had is not as much of a unicorn as as Bell would like to present it 
we have so many examples of that now. Even players like uh, Melvin Gordon, who you know you didn't think about as major pass catchers coming to college, getting tremendously used by the Chargers. So it's just another factor that has um, really made it look like a bad decision on the part of Bell. Now, I know we're not going to have the results of the Monday night game. I don't know if you've been following along. I have not. Okay. So this is kind of an unfair question for me to ask you, but we'll go back retroactively because I don't think we were able to fit this in. Um, first, the Dallas Cowboys move for Amari Cooper. Did you like it? And then you can quickly say if you liked uh, the Demarius Thomas move for the Texans. Uh, no, um, I wasn't. So I didn't hate the Amari Cooper trade as much as a lot of people in the industry did, but I still didn't like it. Um, and I don't like the Demarius Thomas trade. Okay. I will accept both of those answers. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I think if anybody's getting excited about the move of Cooper to Dallas, I would not get excited. I think that basically now we're just going to see him in more or less a fantasy wasteland. Uh, of course, I'm going to wake or we're going to finish this podcast. I'm going to go up and he's going to have like four touchdowns. But no, I mean, I didn't think either of them were that great of moves. I think for the Broncos, you know, it's I can see it making sense for them to get rid of uh, of Thomas. Um, I, oh, yeah, I, guess I mean, I think it makes sense for more them sense to for get them, rid of yeah. Thomas. Oh, I, I like the trade from their perspective. I don't like the trade uh, if you're the Houston Texans and you think that you're actually getting something of value. <laughs> oh, wow. So at this point in his career, what do you, what do you so on, on a scale from one to 10 with like DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown being 10s, where do you put Demarius Thomas right now? Um, He's a two. <laughs> he's a two? Like he, yeah, I mean. I don't know if he's, he's a two. He's He's incredibly efficient. I'm sorry, inefficient, inefficient yep. at, at this point. And he blocks the development of someone else. Like he blocks your opportunities to see if another receiver actually is worthwhile or not. Okay. Like he has, he has no future. Yeah. Like I don't think he really adds value to your team now. Uh, I think you might as well trot someone else out there and see if that person actually has a future. But what about his locker room presence? <laughs> Does he have a locker room presence? I don't know. I think I like heard that mentioned much, one time. How much can a guy who's totally new to a team like have a presence in the locker room? Yeah, I know. I always, you know I always I mean? love when like, they say that, especially in football, maybe in a sport like basketball where there's so few guys. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I think that is a great point. Um, there being so many guys, I think it's harder for any one player to have a locker room presence. And, and by the way, so as we're recording this, Monday Night Football is going. Uh, I just looked it up. Uh, Amari Cooper does have a touchdown, um, but he has two receptions for 15 yards on four targets. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, we'll be able to report next week on how that uh, shakes out. Matt, an unfootball-related question. Do you listen to podcasts outside of the sports realm and if so do you have a go-to uh yes i i well when i have time uh, yep. i do listen um the one that right now uh i am interested in is uh the anthony jazelnik um greg rosenthal vanity project i'm not uh, familiar with this no yeah okay so you know who Greg Rosenthal is. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming you know one of the NFL.com writers yep. started at Roto World. Uh, Anthony Jezelnik, uh, I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, he's a comedian. 
Um, funny guy, very dark humor. Yep. Um, so he and Rosenthal were college roommates. Uh, so like, you know, kind of interesting there. Uh, and they did a podcast, um, which was basically the same name, but with the names flipped the Greg Rosenthal, Anthony Giselnik, uh, vanity project. Um, they did that, I think like three or four years ago under, uh, like the NFL media umbrella. Oh, that's funny. Um, and it was funny, but like, they couldn't really unleash themselves the way that they wanted to. <laughs> right. Um, because of, you know, the shield of the NFL. Uh, and so I think they did one season of the podcast. Uh, I might be wrong with that, but I think they did one season of the podcast. It didn't return. Uh, and then, you know, it took them like two or three years, I guess, either like to find someone else who was interested in doing yep. it or just like to get back to the point of wanting to do it. Um, so they've been doing it only for, uh, this NFL season. Um, but I think they have like a 40 episode commitment with comedy central. Um, so like, it's a funny, it's a funny show. Um, I like both of those guys. So, you know, it's something that I, I listen to, uh, like as I'm doing something mindless, like, you know, taking out the dog or whatever. I'll I'll have to look into that. And and who knows, Matt, maybe someday we will get out of this lifeless vice grip that is Rotoviz radio and we can just really, (laughs) really let ourselves go. Uh, yeah, I feel as if, uh, I'm really stifled, uh, and I can't say what I want to say. So maybe one day. (laughs) All right. On that note, uh, I will let everybody out of here. I will say I've been listening to Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell, oh, that, uh, his podcast is, lately, which is, is there really a new good. season out um, or are you listening to season two? I'm just going, I just started back at the beginning recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been enjoying that. Another one I've been listening to intermittently too is Science Versus, which is pretty good. Oh, I, I'm not aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, terrific. Uh, host uh she's australian and and like it just kind of breaks up the monotony i guess of, of hearing uh, american voices also stephen fry's the great leap years was fantastic yeah um i really like i haven't listened to them in a while but like basically all of the gimlet podcasts yep uh i i really like those yeah all right we're approaching the the and the end of time here so we'll talk about that in some future date that's going to do it for today's episode once again i'm dave cabin you can follow me on twitter at dave cabin ff my co-host was matthew friedman who you can follow at matt f the oracle don't forget to call in to 978-925-7628 and give us your tough calls no voicemails on that just the email somebody give us a, a voicemail please I, I implore you this has been rotoviz radio please subscribe to the podcast leave us a review and be sure to tune in next week and remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it Thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RotoViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. 
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.